Well, it's so good to be here this morning. Welcome to Encounter Church Las Vegas. If you're a visitor, um, our senior leaders are actually on a ministry trip uh, worshiping up in Washington, and they happened to stuff my wife into their suitcase like last minute. Not really, but my wife is with them, and um, we got a ministry team up there, so Pastor Zach and Rochelle send their love. Actually, I think they're watching right now with the Eberleys from Washington, so everybody turn around and say, hi! I love you, honey, and I miss you. We'll be home later tonight, but thank you so much for coming, guys, and uh, man, I'm just excited. I feel encouraged this morning. How are you guys feeling? You feel the fire? You know what's really, what's really cool? Church on the Strip! First gathering launches tomorrow night, six o'clock, um, I think, right, Lori? Okay, six o'clock. Uh, we're going to have street teams meeting to, to go out together and help spread the word, love on people before that. And then we're going to meet at six o'clock. And it's, uh, the, the, the meeting location is called a wedding chapel in Las Vegas. Kind of original, right? So people say, where are you meeting? I say a wedding chapel in Las Vegas. Well, I know that, but where? A wedding chapel in Las Vegas. I know that's the name of it, a wedding chapel in Las Vegas. So it's at 1431 Las Vegas Boulevard South, and that's uh, just north of the stratosphere. I don't really know exactly. It's up near, near Charleston area over there. But anyway, so if you need more info, you can get that online. We have the Facebook page set up. But join us tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. Super excited to see uh, the fire of God that's going to hit the strip. So anyway... Um, I'm so, th- you know, I'm, I've never sat down and preached. I don't think I'm going to start now. I, I don't know how I feel about that. So I'm going to stand up. Hope I don't get you guys too nervous. You ever had one of those mornings where you just realized you were so busy you forgot to eat, but you didn't forget to drink a lot of caffeine? Well, I'm kind of having one of those moments right now. So when you mix that with the anointing, it's like, <laughs> I don't even know, you know, but um, anyway, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling ready. Um, I want to share a word with you this morning. My name's Rob, by the way. For those of you that are first-time guests, we serve here, and we're going to, me and my wife, hi, how are you? Me and my wife, Millie, are uh, going to be heading up the Church on the Strip campus, which, again, launches tomorrow night. And uh, it's just a real blessing for us to be here, be part of this, uh, this, uh, this community. And I was so, I felt really honored when Pastor Zach asked me to bring forth the word this morning, because uh, I've been on a sabbatical from traveling ministry to tend to my family, and, and my son, who was here, was diagnosed with leukemia in February, and uh, he's here on the front row. He's not feeling real good today, so keep him in your prayers. That would be great, but, um, but otherwise, he's doing good, and uh, so I haven't preached in a long time, but I have something burning in my heart. I have a word burning on my spirit, and I'm just praying and, and trusting this can encourage you today. Uh, it's going to fire you up today. And I'm, what I really, my heart for it uh, is that it would refresh your hope in the Lord actually is what I'm going to preach on today, Kevin. So the hope in the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but when I saw Sarah, I noticed the hope. But what really gave me hope was the purple hair. I mean, come on now, somebody. It's like people are still cool in 2015. They got purple hair. Hallelujah. I love the hair. You guys should have seen. I did my hair so many colors it fell out. That's why I stopped. I don't know if it's just because I'm Italian or if it's because I, I hit 25 five years ago or what, but my hair just stopped growing. So, yeah, I stopped coloring it and all that good stuff. But I had like a rainbow on my head at a few points throughout my teenage years. Somebody say glory. So why don't you just turn to your neighbor right now. Welcome everyone watching from Periscope. Welcome everyone watching online. You can visit us at counterchurchlv.com. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor right now and just... Just bless them. Why don't you just, just throw them a little fireball by faith. Just say, I throw you some fire of the Holy Ghost right now in Jesus' name. Whew! Right now, just receive some fire. Receive some hope. Receive some encouragement in Jesus' name. 
Sometimes I give Holy Ghost noogies. No, I'm kidding. But you can do that if you want, you know, if the person next to you doesn't mind. So I'm going to start out this morning with a question. How many of you guys have believed the Lord for something ever in your life? How many of you have received a promise from the Lord? Now, how many of you have had moments where you're wondering if it was really a promise from the Lord or if he just forgot or what the deal is? You can be honest. All right, good. Almost every hand went up. That's good because, you see, um, it's okay. I'm here to tell you this morning it's okay. You know, me and my wife have been in full-time ministry, traveling ministry, missionaries, and revivalists for uh, since 2007 full-time, but I've been in it since 2001 not full-time, but I would like save up and I go away for two months on the mission field. Then I come back and every single step is a step of faith, every single step. And there's been times, and especially over the past six months of our lives where I had to say, God, is that your promise that's not coming to pass? Or am I just lazy? (laughs) Am I just, am I just unbelieving? You know, what's the deal? But I want to encourage you guys this morning. And, uh, I feel like My goal for this morning is I want you to walk out of this building with a fresh authority and boldness on your life, that it's stirred up in you, that you can know that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. I want you to walk in all the fullness of the potential that you have in Jesus. You know, people ask me all the time, well, how did you do this? And my answer is, I have no clue. How have you been to 40 countries? I don't know. (laughs) I never had the money to do it. I don't know how I did it. You know how you know something's God? When you can't do it. A lot of times when you're about to walk in something, you, you feel like this is a promise of God. I need to walk in this. But you, you have no clue how it's going to happen. It's probably God. A lot of people say, how do I know if something's God? Well, I say, well, can you make it happen? No, then it probably is. Because he, it, we walk by faith, not by sight, right? So I want to start with another question for you this morning. What's holding you back? What's holding you back from living a lifestyle chock full to the brim of joy, miracles, revival, awakening, A lot of people say, well, that's just wishful thinking. No, actually, it's the mind of Christ. I didn't say you were a happy buttercup all the time and everything always goes the way you hope it does. But I said joy, miracles, healing, awakening. That is our inheritance in Christ. So what's holding you back? Better yet, let me rephrase it. What lie are you allowing to hold you back? From living a lifestyle chock full of purpose, Purpose from the throne room of God. You know, a lot of people think that just because I've been in ministry for years and I travel around the world that I've never had a a rough moment. (laughs) I've never had a bump in the road. If you read my book, I have an autobiography out. If you read that book, you're going to see everyone has bumps along the way. But the bumps can either refine us or or we can let them destroy us. What kind of lie are we allowing to hold us back from walking in all the potential? You know, there were things set apart for you to walk in before you were born. And there's no condemnation if you say, well, I'm not walking in them right now. That's okay. Start. It's never too, you're still breathing. It's not too late. But you can't do it on your own. The Lord's going to come and refresh you, restore your hope, give you a fresh authority and boldness. And some people come to me and say, but you know what's holding me back? It's fear. Well, at least you've identified it. Ask the Lord, just take one minute right now and ask the Holy Spirit, what is holding me back? What, is there any lie that I'm allowing to hold me back? from walking in the fullness of my potential in you. If the Lord reveals to you it's fear, just renounce that fear right now. If he re- Maybe it's finances. Oh, well, finances are holding me back. Well, that's understandable, but I believe God's will, his bill, you know what I'm saying? Where he guides, he provides. I'm going to let out a bunch of cliches here, little, little churchianity. But it's, it's true. 
What's holding you back? Is there something that you're allowing to hold you back? And if there is, what can we do about it? My son was diagnosed with cancer in February. I've seen healing of cancer all over the world. Dr. Stinking verified. My son was diagnosed with cancer. Yes, it's a blatant attack of witchcraft, but now I have a choice. We have a choice when something goes down, right? Jesus said, you're going to have tribulations, but don't fear. Again, when tribulations come, fear is the first thing. That's why Jesus knocked it on the head. When tribulations come, don't fear because I have overcome the world. No matter what's trying to overcome you, Christ and you has already overcome the world. You're a winner. <laughs> you start at the finish line if you start in Jesus. When you come to Jesus, when you come to the throne, and when you have an encounter with Jesus, you're starting at the finish line. You're running a race, but the, you, the victory's already there. So now we have a choice. Are we going to be a victor or are we going to be a victim? The or and the im, the first part of the word is the same. But what, how are you going to end it? You're going to end with an M or an or. And you know how victors respond? They respond out of where they're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Victims react, but victors respond. So now each time we're faced with a situation, but we know that we have Christ, the hope of glory living in us. We have a choice. Are we going to react or are we going to respond? Take out your notebooks. (laughs) Get your iPad out. Start typing who writes anymore? Does anybody still write with a pencil? I tried the other day and my hand hurt for like two days. It's horrible. <laughs> I just use my thing. What's horrible is my iPhone went the other day and I lost everything. But make sure you use that cloud. The cloud is good, right? Just like the cloud of his glory, right? It, it is very necessary. Amen. But we have a choice how we're going to respond. Are we going to be victims or victors? Victims allow lies to hold them back all the time. They allow themselves to be defined by lies. But victors allow themselves to be defined by the righteousness of Christ and what he's accomplished. There's no other option. People say, well, how come I don't see every person I pray for healed? I don't know, but don't stop. Don't stop praying. One of my mentors years ago said to me, I prayed for a thousand deaf ears before I saw one deaf ear open. Well, praise God. So guess what? Here's what's funny. The first deaf ear we ever prayed for opened up. Then the next one did, and the next one did. But then down the line, they stopped. So now I'm like, well, am I going to stop, or am I going to keep going? Am I going to be a victor? Or I don't know why it stopped, but I'm not going to let that define me. I'm not going to let that hold me back. I can't make this happen. It has to be God. So I want to encourage you this morning that God, if you leave with anything, I want you to know this. God has your back. I want you to get this stapled into your spirit. I want you to get this like tattooed on your heart. God has your back. He said, I'll go before you and I'll be your rear guard. I'm coming behind you, baby. I have your back. And you know how he showed me this? I'm going to share a story real quick about my son's diagnosis. I was on my way to the hospital. He was yellow. He had bruises all over him. He had blood bleeding through his skin. I knew it was serious, right? I'm not really one to rush to the hospital, but you see something like that and prayer's not doing anything. You're like, okay, time to go to the hospital, right? So we get in the emergency room. They do his blood test. I can't get into all these details, but the nurse came in and uh, she said, I I need to talk to you in the hallway, right? Now I'm like, you got to be joking me, right? So the nurse takes me in the hallway, says, your son has leukemia. Well, what's that? It's a blood cancer. And I already knew, but I just, it was kind of like, are you serious, right? And so I already had an idea of what he had. And um, I called my wife. I said, honey, you got to get to the hospital now. She had someone driving her to the hospital. She was hysterical, right? 
And I'm, I'm, I, I'm in a moment now where I'm like, okay, God, I, I need you right now. <laughs> I need you, Lord. Like, I seriously need you to show up right now in this emergency room. And I'm praying in tongues, and he's screaming. He's got needles hanging out of him all over the place. He's screaming. And, and, and I'm crying, and I'm speaking in tongues, and I'm praying. And I said, God, I need, if there's ever a time I needed you, I need you right now. So my phone rings. And I look, and it's my friend Todd Bentley. Now, this guy raised me up in ministry. And I see he doesn't usually call me, though. He usually, like, texts. And I'm like, why is Todd Bentley calling me? I'm in the emergency room. So I pick up the phone, say hello. He says, where are you right now? I said, I'm in the emergency room in Las Vegas. My son was just diagnosed. He goes, I know. I'm like, what do you mean you know? He says, well, I was up preaching. Uh, he said, I'm in the pulpit right now preaching in Texas in front of a whole church. But I got a word of knowledge. The Lord said, stop the meeting. Because the Lord spoke to me and said, someone's little boy's just been diagnosed with leukemia and he's going to be healed right now in Jesus' name. At the same moment, my wife was driving to the, someone was driving her to the hospital. She texted Todd's wife and said, pray now. Titus was just diagnosed with leukemia. And in that exact moment, the Lord gave him the word. And as he's getting the word, she runs up to the stage and says, Todd, stop the meeting and pray. Shows him the phone. And he says, the Lord just told me that. So he calls me in the emergency room. And now he says, put the phone on speaker. Put it over your son's body right now. He put, so I put it on speaker. And he starts praying. And I can hear the whole church. I, hundreds of people. And I'm going to tell you guys, man, I had the chills. Like in the midst of one of the worst moments of my life, the Holy Ghost just showed up and showed out. I couldn't make that happen. But it was like the Lord was saying, dude, I've got your back. I have your back. You don't need to fear. You don't need to fret. You might have to go through, through some stuff. Know what I'm saying? But I've got your back. And I feel like the Lord's saying to you guys today, tell them I have your back. Somebody say, God has my back. You've got to declare this. You've got to get this deep down in your spirit. You know what? There might, there might be storms that come. But the storm don't look the same with the wind and the waves know his name. I'm about to start preaching. I said the storm doesn't look the same when the wind and the waves know his name. And you know what? When you live to spread his fame, all of hell will know your name. I, I better rap. I should just rap. When you live to spread the fame. I don't know. I've never done that. But seriously, storms are going to come. But you know what? When the wind and the waves know his name, the storm doesn't look the same. Something changes. Something switches. You realize you serve a God who walks on water. You realize you serve a God who, who says, peace, be still. And the storm just dissolves. You ever rebuked a tornado? Probably not in Vegas. One time we had to do that. We were on the road in Virginia. We had four tornadoes surrounding our vehicle like a couple, within a few miles, but we could see all of them. And we, all we had left was, okay, we better rebuke these things. But you know what? And they dissipated. We said, in Jesus' name, you will not come near this. You won't destroy. Our friends' houses were around it. They didn't touch it. But you know what? When the, and, and maybe it doesn't always happen, but it happened that time. I don't have all the answers, but I know the answer. His name's Jesus. The storm doesn't look the same when the wind and the waves know his name. Are we going to be a victim? Are we going to be a victor? We've got to get out of our spirit that, 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 that living with joy and living a lifestyle of miracles and breakthrough. We've got to get out of our spirit that that's wishful thinking. It's the mind of Christ. When Jesus looked at the paralyzed, he recognized them right, jumping and leaping and praising God. That's what he saw. When he looked at the water, he recognized the wine and he pulled it out. That's, that's the mind of Christ. That's the same kind of stuff that we're called to walk in right here in Las Vegas. You guys with me this morning? How many of you know when the glory of the Lord shows up, the atmosphere has to change? 
And if you carry the glory of God inside of you, then when you show up, things need to change. Because of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look, I've, been, I've spent time on the strip over the past two weeks just praying and prayer. It's, I know it's dark. I can feel the resistance in the air like, like, like moisture in the air, like, like, almost like ice crystals pegging my face. I, like I, can, I can feel it. I know there's resistance. But I know that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. So whatever principalities and powers exist in the second heavens, you're seated with him in the third. What does that mean? It means they're below your feet. And it means Jesus is the head of principality and power. It means that's our reality. When the glory of the Lord shows up, the atmosphere has to change. Now, I, I preach, I share this story out of the book of Acts almost every time I preach around the world. Why? Because I love it and it inspires me and I can't get enough of it. Acts chapter 12, I'm going to say it real quick. Acts chapter 12, 7, 8, and 9. Peter's locked away in prison. And at the midnight hour, the glory of the Lord shows up. An angel of God shows up right in the prison cell. You know how dark this prison cell must have been? You know how dank and how yucky and how hopeless this prison cell must have been? You know what kind of diseases might have been lying around in that prison cell? But the angel of God showed up. Acts twelve seven, And it says when he showed up, he said to Peter, wake up! That's an angel of awakening. And it says the moment Peter woke up, his chains instantly fell off his wrists. He didn't, he didn't have to take a, an axe and hack away at his chains. That's religion. Ooh. The moment he woke up, the chains fell off his wrists. And he was free because the glory of God showed up. I don't care what the darkness of the prison cell is. I don't care if it's disease. I don't care if it's addiction. I don't care if it's pornography. I don't care. If it, I don't care. The glory of God will break the chains. When the glory of God shows up, the atmosphere has to change. And you know, Peter could have been a victim and be like, What if the other prisoners don't see the angel? Forget about what other people see. You, you behold the glory of the Lord. You go free. Your chains break off. Don't take on a victim mentality. Then the angel said, follow me out of the prison. And it says in verse 9 and 10, Peter didn't even know what was happening was actually real. He thought he was just seeing a vision. Well, where's your expectation at? Where's our expectation at? Are we expecting the glory of the Lord to show up and change things? Or are we expecting just a little vision that might encourage us along the way? That's fine and dandy, but I expect the glory of God to show up and change things. I expect the angel of the Lord to show up and the atmosphere to change and and the chains to break. I want to set my expectation there. In Acts chapter 27, Paul shipwrecks on an island. Here's another one of my favorite ones. How many of you guys say, yeah, you know what it was? It was a Mediterranean storm. It was like a cyclone that came through. How many of you would say, yeah, my life looks like a cyclone a few days a week. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. My life looks like shipwreck a few days a week. But you know what's wild? (laughs) Madeline's like, you know what's wild, though? Through it all, Paul didn't take on a victim mentality. And you know what happened? Again, at the midnight hour, an angel of the Lord visited him on the shipwrecked ship. And the angel said, fear, again, fear not, Paul. Listen, you're going to suffer some lack. You're going to have some loss, but it's a beautiful butt right there. I'm going to give you all the souls of the men that travel with you. And I'm going to bring revival forth on this island that you're going to be shipwrecking on. You're going to have to come on an island and suffer some loss for a little time, but I'm going to be glorified through it. He didn't say nothing bad is going to happen, but he said, you know what? He honored Paul's steadfastness. Paul, what would have happened if Paul lost all hope and said, oh God, why would you let this happen? 
What would have happened? I don't know. Maybe the angel wouldn't have showed up. Maybe God would have been like, dude, really? But God honored Paul's steadfastness. And the angel of the Lord showed up in the middle of the night, Acts chapter 27, during the shipwreck and gave him a word of encouragement. We may have to go through some stuff in our lives, but you know what? If we do have to, let us be learned to be motivated by joy. You know, joy is one of the most serious weapons you have in your arsenal. Joy. How do I know that? Well, you're blowing things out of context. You just want to act drunk all the time. No, I don't act drunk unless I am drunk in the Holy Ghost. Okay. If, if that comes over me, the intoxication of God's presence, then I will be slobbering all over the floor. Okay. And you'll know it, but I don't act that way just to act that way. A lot of times it just happens when I'm alone, you know, thank God for you. Right. No kidding. But seriously, I don't act that way just to act that way. But when the spirit of the Lord shows up, something changes. In Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, it says this. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Here we go. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It was joy he was motivated by. He wasn't motivated. Religion motivates by fear. But the spirit motivates by joy. Even in the midst of suffering, the spirit motivates by joy. Joy is one of the most serious arsenal weapons you have, and it's what motivated Jesus. You need to shed the victim mentality and take on the mind of the risen Christ. That being said, I want to say this. God has not forgotten his promises concerning you. God has not forgotten his promises concerning this city. In John, Actually, I'm going to read out of Acts chapter 4 real quick. A lot of people say, well, can I trust God? Dude, you guys have no idea what I get on a daily basis. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Facebook messages and comments and just hateful. Hope your family dies. I hate you. Go to hell. I mean, it's insane the kind of stuff. And you know what? I got to say, Lord, for the joy that was set before you, for the joy that's set before me. As Jesus sat there, hung there, bloodied, ripped apart, he was still motivated by joy. Because he knew you would be coming into his father's glory. And you would be brought into a covenant between him and his daddy that would never be able to be broken. And it was all because of joy. It says in Acts chapter 4, 29. Now, Lord, consider the threats that are coming against us. And enable your servants to speak with great boldness. Stretch out your hand. Everyone stretch out your hand. They say, Lord, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place they were shaken was filled with the Holy Spirit and they all were filled with a fresh boldness. In John 14, Jesus said, pray and I will show up. He said, I will do what I say. Truly, I say unto you, believe in me. The works I do, you will do and greater works as I do to the Father. Anything you ask in my name, I will do it. And he proved himself right there. When the disciples came together and they asked something of heaven, he proved himself. But you know, it's hard to trust someone's character when you don't know their intentions. And religion has skewed God's intentions over the last couple thousand years to the point that people want nothing to do with them. And I don't blame the fact that they want nothing to do with the God they've been presented with. I just had someone write me this morning, we're pagan and we'll always be pagan. We just tried and God didn't and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? God is who he says he is. And he does what he says he'll do. And if Jesus casted out devils and healed sicknesses and diseases then, you better believe he's still doing it now. And if people were persecuted for doing it then, you better believe you're going to be persecuted now. I think we've kind of had it easy, actually. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now what do we do? A lot of times we wonder, well, is God just slacking off on his promise or what? 
God, did you forget about me? Well, you know what I think? I think people naturally are just, they, we don't have to be taught how to not believe. <laughs> I think we're just good at unbelief sometimes. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changed. I think sometimes we just give up. I think sometimes we say, well, I thought he was going to come in 1944, so I'm just giving up. I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. I heard all about that stuff, okay? If any of you are familiar with that. People constantly trying to know the day or the hour when Jesus said, you're not going to know the day or the hour. I haven't forgotten my promise. I don't care what promise it is he's made to you, he hasn't forgotten Man is good at unbelief. We don't have to be taught how to take on a victim mentality. But we, when, when our minds are renewed by the gospel, things change. The atmosphere of our life changes. And then when we have relationship with other people, we start bringing that reality into their sphere of influence. I have a lot more I could preach, but, you know, I want to respect time. And I know we all need to eat by like 1230, you know what I'm saying. Hallelujah. So, but here's the deal. I'm going to read you something out of the Old Testament. The Old Testament's not relevant anymore. Well, it was fulfilled. doesn't mean it's not relevant, though. We can see Jesus all through the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 49. I love this. Isaiah 49, 14 through 16. Isaiah 49, 14 through 16. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, and the Lord has forgotten me. They were probably British. Can a woman forget? And so here's, what, here's God's response. Check this out. And you can hear a little bit of sarcasm in God's response. It's kind of funny. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Verse 16. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Look at your neighbor right now and say, God has a tattoo. And it has my name on it. It has your name on it. That might stretch some theology a little bit. Seriously. God's like, you know, you know, look, my wife nurses, right? It's not very often that she just forgets the baby's nursing and she's just walking around the house with the baby hanging off of her. Like, that, that doesn't happen. Like, you, the baby nurses. They need nurse. God said, how can a mo- nursing, even if a nursing mother were to forget her child, I won't forget you. I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Thank you, Jesus. I believe there's a potential for every single believer to walk in the fullness of every single promise that God has for them. I don't have time to go into it, but if you look back at the story of Abraham and how God came to him and said, I'm going to call you to a place you don't know, that I'm going to multiply you and make your children like the stars. I think that that same prophetic picture I think we have in Christ, when we take a step in faith, right? We come to know Jesus. And then we begin to see things happen around us. And then it expands and it begins to multiply and we begin to make disciples. I think every one of us has that potential in Jesus. So maybe you're just having a hard time with God's promises because you don't know what his intentions are. You know, it'd be hard for you to trust Pastor Zach as your leader, right? If you didn't know what his intentions were. When you don't know someone's heart, it's hard to trust their intentions. If you had a bad dad or a bad mom, it's going to be really hard for you to have a pastor for a while, right? Someone who helps look after you and encourages you and speaks into you, right? Well, I'm going to show you God's intention. And here it is. Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 10. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. Here is daddy's intentions for you. Ready for this? But God, being rich in mercy 
because of the great love with which he loved us. Even while we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and he seated us with him in heavenly places. Verse 7 is key. Here we go. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ. That's his intention. That's God's promise to you. Everything you're going through right now is so that forever and ever and ever you can sit under the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward you forever. That's the Father's intention. By grace you've been saved. It's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, daddy prepared good things for you before you took your first breath. God prepared good things for Vegas before. You know what Las Vegas means? I speak Spanish. Las Vegas. You know what it means? And by the way, it's Nevada in Spanish. It means the snowy meadows. Do you know what that reminds me of? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. And snowy is just the purity. He makes us white as snow. His blood makes us white as snow. God is calling Las Vegas my snowy meadows, my place of rest, my place of purification. That's what the church is going to manifest in Las Vegas. That's the way that we're going, Las Vegas and Nevadas, the snowy meadows. Think about that. Just let that seep down into your spirit today. You know, and I'm going to wrap up here in a second. When I met Jesus, I was a Satan worshiper. My dad had left when I was 10. I was a Satan worshiper because I turned to the dark side for answers. I didn't know what I believed about God, but I hated him. Felt like he was a liar. I've shared my testimony at conferences here before we ever moved here. But here's the deal. I went to a Christian worship festival to convert people to the devil. And I had a radical encounter with Jesus. Now, six months before that, I had had a near-death experience in which I got freaked out for a minute because I thought I loved death so much. I thought death was my savior until I came face-to-face with it. And I realized there was a dark void, a blackness that I didn't want to know. Well, when I came to know Jesus, you know, I never could have gone from that moment in time, suspended in time, overcome by the ecstasy of God's presence, having it be better than any drug, than anything I'd ever encountered before. And I knew it was Jesus going from that moment in time to just a couple years later, preaching to 5,000 kids who sacrificed babies in the mountains of Bolivia to their demon gods. I can't make that happen. I can't make that happen. Me and my wife getting married and feeling this call to ministry and sleeping on floors for four years. And just praying in tongues and fasting every day. God, where do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? Going to the airport with no money and flying to New Zealand. I can't make that happen, guys. I can't make that happen. I had to take that step into the promises. And you can take the, if you haven't already, the same promises of God are for you. There is a ministry for you, whether it's full-time, whether it's part-time. It's still ministry. There's a ministry to a certain people, to certain faces, to certain names. There's, a, there's something set apart for you from the foundation of the earth. And God's saying to you today, I have your back and I have not slacked on my promises. Maybe you've just been good at unbelief. I don't know. There's been times where I was really good at unbelief. And I said, Lord, forgive me. I haven't been, I've been walking in unbelief. I know your promises are for me. Are you guys ready to take hold 
of the promise that God has on your life and say, you know what? I'm ready for this thing to be stirred up in me again, and I'm ready to walk in it. I'm ready to let go of unbelief, and I'm ready to move forward, and I'm ready to walk in all the fullness of the potential that Christ in me, the hope of glory, carries, not just for Las Vegas. And you know what? You never know what kind of effect you're having. Back in October, I was preaching in the Northwest Territories of Canada. Where in the world is that? I don't even know. I just got on this little plane that about crashed 10 times and it fit four people, but I made it. It was like, I'm like, like that nacho guy. Oh, Jesus. Does this count as martyrdom if I crash right now? Is that probably not? But you know, we saw so many cool healings, but there was one Satanist in the whole village. It was a native village, right? One Satanist, and he was away. And I said, take me to his house. We're going to anoint the whole house, right? <laughs> so we went in his house, and he had other people that were believers that lived in the house, so that it was their house too, and we didn't, like, break in or anything. So we go in his house, and he had all the stuff that I had years ago, altars built to Satan and all this crazy stuff all over the walls and sacrifice stuff. And we just took oil, and we started anointing. We anointed the bed, the walls. We're declaring the name of Jesus. We're casting devils out of the, right? And uh, so I get, I get a report three months later. He comes home a month or two later, and he, he got in his house. And within a day or two, his family said, we can only report that he is remarkably different. They said he no longer has any interest in the Satan stuff. And he's, he's caring for his wife and his daughter, and he's acting like we've never seen him before. Three months later, you never know what kind of effect you're having. You can be walking in a promise right now without seeing it manifest right now. You might realize it down the road, but God has not forgotten you. So are you ready to take a step? And take hold of everything that's already been provided for you. Adam and Eve were created with everything already provided for them. And we've had everything provided in Christ. The fullness of every blessing. Everything. All they had to do was name it. All they had to do was put a function to it. Well, that's what God's saying today. All my promises are here for you right now. Will you name it? Will you put a function to it? Will you take a step? Will you take hold of this again? Will you renounce unbelief? And will you trust my character? The father says, will you trust my intention? That my intention is my kindness and my riches forever for you? That this is your inheritance? Will you trust that when his glory shows up, the atmosphere of your life has to change? And it's going to begin to change people around you. It's going to begin to change the Vegas Strip. And when all hell comes against you, you remember all of heaven's for you. If anybody can talk with that, say about that, it's me, okay? I said a prayer last year. I said, God, I'll do whatever you ask. Just don't touch my children. Don't let anyone touch my children. The Lord gave me a dream a week before his diagnosis. And in the dream, me and my wife and my family were flying across the world to minister and my kids were kidnapped. And the Lord said, minister anyway, I've got this. I said, how can I minister with my kids being kidnapped? The Lord said, minister anyway. And at the end of the dream, I went back behind the stage. I mean, at the end of the ministry time, I went back behind the stage. And there's these two angels, and they're standing there holding all three of our kids. I said, I told you, we've got your back. They knew where they were the whole time. They didn't get far. And I feel like the Lord's saying, I've known where you are the whole time. You didn't get far. Your children, your family, your parents, your loved ones that you're praying for, they didn't get far. 
they're not going to get far. Where can you go away from his presence? Even if I make my bed in hell, Jesus, what are you doing here? Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Vegas can't run from God's presence. I got news for you guys. And it's coming after them like an 18-wheeler. Yeah. Chris, you guys want to come up? Thank you, Father. I just want to encourage you guys to let the promises of God and the dreams of God be reawakened in your heart this morning. God has your back. I could tell you so many stories. We would be here for a year. I could tell you so many stories of when me and my wife were on the verge of death. We slept on the streets of Venezuela when Hugo Chavez was present because God said go. She had these bugs that give you a fever that kills you, get in her clothes in the jungle of Guyana. Well, she didn't die. I could tell you so many stories of God's faithfulness. But I don't have time. And it's not about my words. It's about God's power. But I just want something to be stirred up in your heart this morning. And you say, you know what? I'm moving forward. I'm going to let God's dream be reawakened in my heart. Some of you need to say, you know what, Lord, I'm sorry for thinking that you brought this on me. Right? When something bad happens, our first, well, maybe it's probably God's fault. Why would he let this happen? And Jesus is like, oh, I want to say the same thing to you. He gave man dominion and authority over the earth. What are we doing about it? It's time to walk in all the promises. And when we go through trials and testings, let them refine us as victors. Let us be motivated by joy. He who sits in the heavens laughs. Well, I want to sit on the earth and laugh in the heavens. Right in the middle of the toughest things. And you know what I'm going to tell you guys? Over the next few years, God's about to raise up mission teams that are going to go out from Encounter and Church on the Strip to go into all the world and to share the same hope that we have in this place, to minister to the poor. Dude, I want to go give pedicures to the people that live in the garbage slums. I don't care. I want to, whatever it is, let's be creative and say, Lord, I want to be create. I want to creatively walk in all your promises. Mm-hmm. And he's going to provide every step of the way, guys. Will you just stand up with me and let's just bless the Lord right now. Let's just bless the Lord right now. If you play, if you pray, if you play, play, you can play in the Holy Ghost too. That's great. If you pray in your in your heavenly language, let's just do that right now. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just give you all the praise and the glory. I thank you that everything we need has been fully provided for us to walk in all the promises. Lord, all the things you've called us to do from before we took our first breath and while we were yet lost in sin, you came and you reconciled us to yourself. Through the blood of your son. Lord, I rebuke the spirit of fear this morning. And I say power and love and a sound mind. Even for everyone watching over the internet right now. If you've grown weary and you've grown tired and said, God's forgotten me. God's forgotten his promises concerning me. I say, it's a lie. 
Change your mind right now. Change your mind and say, Lord, I'm sorry for believing that you've forgotten me. I'm sorry for believing a lie. Fill me with your hope. Fill me with your presence. And Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that as your glory comes into the room right now, the atmosphere is changing right now. The atmosphere is shifting right now. That the holy angels are coming and bringing words of encouragement into the room right now. Lord, let your let your cloud come. Let the glory of your presence come right now into this room. I just see this big gas can and, and this big dispenser from heaven called hope. And the Lord is fueling you with hope right now. He's fueling us with hope right now. Fueling us with hope right now. For everybody that says, I want to walk in all the promises, every single one, I want you to come up front and just worship up front together with me. You want to walk in all the promises. Maybe you want to say, Lord, forgive me for unbelief. I believe in every promise and I believe you will teach me and guide me along the way to step into every single promise that you have on my life. Even in the midst of shipwreck. Even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of prison cell, the glory of the Lord shows up and changes your atmosphere. His promises come. And the Lord says, I don't want you to be lazy. I don't want you to be lazy. I want you with faith and patience to inherit all of my promises. All of my promises. With faith and patience, you will inherit every single one of my promises. Now, right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, just let your glory come. Let your glory come. Let your angels come and begin to minister to every person in this place right now. Lord, let a burning fire be placed in your your people's heart for all of your promises. Lord, I declare every promise coming to pass. Every promise coming to pass in the name of Jesus. I speak over you right now. Every promise is coming to pass in Jesus' name. You will not miss out, says the Lord. You will not miss out. You will not miss out. You will not miss out. Every promise is coming to pass in Jesus' name. You will not miss out, says the Lord. I need everybody, ushers and hosts, ready right now for a ministry team. If you guys need to leave, I understand. But you can stay here and get ministered to or just worship the Lord. If you need to leave right now, you're free to go. We bless you in Jesus' name. Right now, the Lord's ministering and saying, You're not going to miss the boat, Lori. You're not going to miss the boat, Lori. You're not going to miss the boat. You're on the boat. You're on a cruise of my presence. You didn't miss the boat. You didn't miss the boat. Every promise. Every promise in Jesus' name. Right now. Right now. Lord, every promise for health and wellness right now. I speak to body organs. I speak to pain in this place in the name of Jesus. I command pain to begin to leave bodies right now in the name of Jesus, God. Right now, I command diabetes to leave systems right now in the name of Jesus. Right now, there's power right now to break the addiction. Addiction of junk food and sugar and caffeine. We break it right now in the name of Jesus. You didn't miss the boat. You didn't miss the boat. Spirit of awakening, angel of awakening. 
Come and rock us right now. Come and rock us right now. Come on, let's just sing it together. off of your life in the name of Jesus every assignment of the enemy and I declare that you have heavenly assignments all over you heavenly assignments all over you just reach up and take the promise right now guys just reach up and take your promises right now take hold of them again renounce fear renounce unbelief Of my womb, how could I forget you? We wait for you. 